Amen. Be to our God. You know, just the fact that we can call him our God is a is a awesome privilege. Just the fact that we can say our God, like everyone can't say uh, that he is our God, but he is absolutely our God and we are his people um, purely based on the person, the work uh, of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys know this, but and maybe you've picked it up so far since you've been here that our desire and goal is to see this, that the centrality of Jesus Christ um, permeate this place. We like to see him proclaimed. We like to see him sung about, see him, him preached about, see him talked about. Um, it, our exhortations are all praise due to Jesus Christ. And so we are thankful this morning. Um, I am honored that we get together here. I'm honored that I get to stand before you on a consistent basis and declare the, the word of the Lord. I'm grateful for this community in many ways. Uh, I get so excited on Sunday mornings when I get together and see so many of your faces and even the first time visitors. Thank you. We, we like to give a, at least twice say thank you to all of our first time visitors. We are grateful that you decided to worship with us today. We'd love for you to hang around and, and uh, talk to us a bit so we can just get to know you. So thank you for, for those of you who are first time visitors. Thank you for coming. I know Gabe mentioned it and announced it. Um, but I, I want to just reiterate the importance of our DNA groups. We talked about it last week. If you weren't here, uh, the podcast is up so you can, you can listen to it. But we talked about what gospel-centered community looks like as we ended our Bride of Christ series. And in talking about um, what gospel-centered community looks like, our hope was to roll out DNA, discipleship, nurture, and accountability, DNA groups. So we, we want to see, and our hope is to see everybody go deeper in community. I'm not saying, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Sunday morning service, so I'm a part of community. No, who are you in lo- doing life with to where that person is pouring into you, you're pouring into them, they're encouraging you, you're encouraging them, they're, they're, they're convicting you, you're convicting them. Uh, we all need that. Uh, through the Bride of Christ series, it, it was clear that we all saw a need for Jesus but we should have saw a need for his bride as well. That was the hope of the series. And so today we are starting a new series called, it's called Prayer, Needy and Dependent on God. And all of us in this room should be needy and dependent on God. And that's exactly what prayer is. Your either lack of prayer says, I'm independent, I don't need him. I can kind of go through this life on my own. But when you are desperate that you need God every second, every moment, every minute of the day, you need God. That should cause us to seek him through uh, through prayer. Let me let me answer this question right off the bat, because I think one of the things many of you may be thinking is, well, why pray? Like, why should I pray? Let me give you three reasons why you should why I think you should pray. If you follow us on social media and you saw the video, that was one of the questions that people were asking, well, why pray? The, the, the most obvious reason that you should pray is because, is because Scripture commands us to pray. Because the Bible tells us to pray. It's not optional. Like, you read through the Scriptures, they don't present it as this is optional, this is a good idea to do when life gets hard. No, Scripture is clear that prayer is something that should be consistent in our life. First Thessalonians 5, don't turn there. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. Like always pray. Um, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we went through the book of Colossians, so we highlighted this one. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. James 5, I love James 5 because it asks two separate questions. 
First question is, is there anyone suffering? Anyone among you suffering? The next answer is, let them pray. And then it says, is, is there anyone sick? What's the answer? Call the elders, not just to come around and huddle, but let them pray. And so over and over again, James, in James chapter 5 talks about it. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 33, another one. This one is just foundational for me in terms of prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. Look at that invitation. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Matthew 7, 7. Now these words are in red, right? Matthew 7, 7. When Jesus is talking, I think we all can agree it's pretty important. The rest of scripture is equally as important, but there's something about those red words if you have those in your, in your Bible or on your phone. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open or the door will be open. Prayer is not optional in the scriptures. It's not optional. Prayer is a command. So the first reason why you should pray is because scripture commands us. Now, we really need no other reasons. Like we can close it up and say amen and go home. Scripture, like your obedience to the scriptures, most of us try to obey what the word of God says in so many areas of our life. But when it comes to prayer, we're like, ah, that's optional. No, scripture tells us to be obedient even in terms of, of prayer. So that's the first reason. Second reason, it's a privilege to pray. Like the God of the universe that flung the stars into their place, that's upholding the sun right now, far enough away so that we won't burn up, close enough so that we won't freeze. That God gave us an invitation, especially in Jeremiah 33, 3, gave us an invitation to pray. Do you know how much of a privilege it is that we get to communicate with, a, with God? See, most of us don't view prayer as a privilege. We view prayer as a duty. So it's a duty. But here, here, here's the thing about prayer. Prayer shouldn't be viewed as something that you have to do. Prayer should be viewed as something that you get to do. You're allowed to pray. You're allowed to. God has an open door policy. Last night, because of I know fireworks are illegal here in New York, but in my neighborhood, I think in my little street, it was legal because last night, <laughs> last night they was popping them off. My son comes in the room. My youngest son is like, is that gunshots? I'm like, it's not. Go back to bed. Two seconds later, are you sure that's not gunshots? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That could be some gunshots. I have no clue. But, but I couldn't sleep. Like, it was gunshot after gunshot. And so I found myself waking up last night, at least two gunshot firecrackers. I really don't know, so let's just leave it at that. But at least we think that they were, they were fireworks. I mean, 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, I found myself up praying. Now, here's the beautiful, beautiful thing about prayer. I don't have to get in the car get to the airport, take a plane to meet God somewhere to pray. Like I could open my eyes, open my mouth in the midst of 2, 3 a.m., sleep in the bed and be able to pray to God. That's a privilege that we get that, that he has an open door policy. And here's the thing about it. He's not like, oh, my God, it's three o'clock. You're awake in my sleep. Like he's waiting for you to pray. And so prayer is not optional. Prayer is absolutely a privilege. And third and final, which I would say is an important one as well, Prayer shows your submission to the gospel. What do I mean? Like outside of Jesus Christ, none of us have a right standing before God. So prayer really tests the waters to see how much 
access we have to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And so when we come to God, we're able to come at three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning while fireworks are going on outside because Jesus Christ secured that right for you over 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ died for you to be able to pray to God. And so when it comes to the scriptures, prayer is an absolutely uh, important piece. So that was the three reasons why we should pray. You should pray because scripture commands, pray because it's a privilege for you to pray. And then third reason, pray because it shows your submission to the gospel work, the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30 is where we'll be today. If you could turn to Proverbs chapter 30. As, we're, as you guys are turning there, one of the things I wanted to do as it relates to, to prayer um, is I really wanted to zoom us in on a few things about prayer. I didn't just want to teach from different scriptures and say, this is, you know, we'll fit it together and see where prayer works. I actually want to look at how people prayed in the scriptures. And so we'll see in Proverbs chapter 30 a prayer of a man named Agur. We'll get to see what he says in his prayers and prayerfully, hopefully that we'll be able to glean from what he says and walk away and be able to try to apply. So Proverbs chapter 30, if you got it, if you could just say amen. amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number seven through nine is where we'll be. Verse number seven, two things I ask of you, deny them not from me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of our God. I want to preach from the topic entitled Uncommon Prayers. Uncommon Prayers. Let's pray. Lord, as we attempt to begin this series, uh, we want to acknowledge right off the back that we are in need of you. We're in need of you to, to hear. I'm in need of you to proclaim uh, we're all sitting in here like, like birds in a nest that is waiting for its mother to feed us. Lord, would you speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your infallible word? Many of us struggle with prayer. We struggle with consistency in prayer. We struggle with even the content of what we pray. We struggle with redundancy and not knowing what to say when we pray. Father, meet us today and sharpen our prayers. Sharpen our prayer life. Let us not walk in here and say, I got this thing together, but all of us in this room could use some tuning up and tweaking as it relates to prayer. Meet us today. Speak to us today. Pray that I would be faithful to your word. Let me not add anything to it. Let me not take away anything from it, but let me only preach what is in the text. Speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, and we want to be needy, and we pray that you would fulfill us. We're not independent. We are absolutely dependent 100% on you. So meet us today in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uncommon prayers. The reason I named it uncommon prayers because this, many of us aren't praying this type of prayer. It's an uncommon prayer. It's not a prayer that's consistent within our language. When an infant wants to learn a language, he doesn't seek out to learn the language. He doesn't know. She doesn't know to seek out to learn the language. How do they learn a the language? Mommy grabs the baby and says, say mama, right? The father grabs the baby and said, say dada. And we do that 10, 20,000 times until finally the infant says, mommy, the infant says, daddy. And what do we do? We pick up the phone. We call our parents and, oh my gosh, she said, mama. And the truth of the matter is you said it 10 to 20,000 times. So the baby's probably like, I'm just saying it because I'm sick and tired of you keep saying it. 
so I'm going to say it out. Uh, but whatever the case may be, that's how they learn. They learn through redundancy, and they learn through hearing the words spoke to him. Same thing when it comes to prayer language. In order for us to understand why we should pray, the content of our prayers, why we need consistency in our prayers, in order for us to understand that, we must learn from what the scripture says about prayer, not just says what it says about prayer, but we must learn what the scriptures say in a prayer. And so that's what we're getting today. We are introduced for the first time in all of scripture and the last time in all of scripture to a man named Agur. He doesn't appear anywhere else in the text, in the, in the book. Nowhere else from Genesis to Revelations 22 do we see Agur mentioned. The only time he's mentioned is in Proverbs chapter number 30. Not only that, but the only scripture, the only prayer in all of the book of Proverbs is this one. It, it seems to say that God is almost saying this is a sufficient prayer to model your life after. In all of Proverbs, there's not another prayer. This is the only prayer. And so there's a lot that we could learn from Agur as it relates to prayer. And most of the stuff that we can learn from Agur doesn't come later on when he gives us petitions. Yes, he's given us two petitions in this passage, but what we can learn from Agur, we can learn before he asks for anything. Can I show you that? In chapter, in verse number seven, the first six words, there's so much we can learn from them. It says, two things I ask of you. Notice that Agur is asking why is that important? Because this really shows, this is, this is the posture of all of us when it relates to prayer. Agur understands that prayer is a humble submission to the Lord. He's not telling God what to do in this prayer. He's not commanding God. He's not throwing his faith around and saying, well, my faith is going to activate God to do this. He's not doing that. He's not putting God on a guilt trip because I came to church so many times and I'm faithful and I'm working. Because those things are happening, then you should be able to answer me. You should hear me. Agra doesn't do that. He prays and he asks God. And humble submission is the first thing I want to point out to you. Listen to me. We don't go asking God for it. We don't go telling God anything. We go and we ask God in humble submission. My kids will get a request that they're in here, so this may be a little hard to say. They'll get a request that they're asking depending on their tone and the posture of what they're saying. So if I come in the house and they say, yo, daddy, good to see you. Get in the kitchen to make me something to eat. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> like, it's gonna be a, I might go to the kitchen, but I'm going to come back with a knife. I'm just, I'm just saying me. Y'all don't parent like that. That's how I parent. No, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm very serious when I say this. And so what, what they want, if they want something to eat, they know they got to they gotta ask me. They can't tell me what to do. Same thing with God, if not more. The prayer, the humble submission of prayer really says, I recognize that I'm a sinful being praying to a holy God. And so he's asking. He's not telling God anything. He's asking. Do not run past the fact that he's asking. And so that's what prayer, that's the, the foundation of prayer is you realizing you are undone and that we're standing before a holy, holy God. Look at verse number seven. Two things I ask of you. I circled the ask, by the way, and wrote a, drew a, a line out to the margin and said he prays with submission. But look at the other thing that he did, he does in here. He says, 
Two things I ask of you, deny them not for me before I die. Now, just the fact that he's asking doesn't mean that his prayer is unimportant or unurgent. It doesn't mean it's not urgent. His prayer is absolutely urgent. How do I know his prayer is urgent? Because he says, I need you to answer these before I die. And so the prayer is urgent, but his posture before the Lord doesn't mean I'm begging you, I'm pushing you, I'm commanding you. It still means I'm going to ask you, even though the prayer is urgent. Notice something here. It says, before I die. All of us in this room have an appointment with death. If, if the Lord doesn't come back, all of us in here will have that expiration date. Like, I don't care how much spinach you eat. I don't care about the Pilates you do. It doesn't matter how many times you hit the gym. I don't care if you're juicing every single morning. At some point, all of us in this room will face death. Do we understand that? Like you are, we've been in, in this room for at least an hour, hour and a half now. You are an hour and a half closer to death than you were the, the, when you walked in. Every single one of us will face death. The question I have for you is, how does your, like, because what Agra's doing here is, he's praying for life situation with death in mind. Like that impacts our prayers. Because some of us are so self-absorbed when we pray. We pray for materialistic stuff that really is only helpful for right now. Agra's looking at his death. Like, think about that. If you had, if you knew you were about to die and you were making a list of the things you wanted God to do before you die, how long would your list be? Agra asked for two things. That's all he asked for. But most of us in here would ask for a bunch of stuff that you're going to, Pass on, maybe pass on, it's going to rust, it's going to rot, it's going to destroy. Like, iPhones don't make it to heaven. Like, let's just be clear. Cars don't make it to heaven. Clothes don't make it to heaven. The things that we normally, your job won't make it to heaven. You won't need a job in heaven. Thank God we won't need a job. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I'm tired, tomorrow's work. I got to work on 4th of July, like, come on. Listen, every day is a holiday for us in heaven. So we don't need that stuff, but that's the stuff that consumes our prayers. We are consumed in our prayers with materialistic stuff. Agrit looks and says, I'm, I'm going to die soon. One day I'm going to die. So before I die, answer these two things for me. Psalms 90, chapter, verse number 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Death is inevitable. You can't avoid it. You cannot avoid it. I don't care how much you ask God for long life. At some point, we're all going to have to expire, and so our prayers should be impacted by that. But notice something. Agur prepares before he prays. Like, Agur already has in his mind the two things that he want to ask God for. See, many of us come before God and we're like scatterbrained. We have no clue what we're praying. We have no clue what we're asking God. Do you realize that in ancient times, you would dare not go before a king unless you were absolutely prepared? You had thoughtful preparation of what you were going to say. Like, remember the, 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 the video, the video um, remember the times with Michael Jackson? Remember Eddie Murphy sitting on the throne and they're bringing people before him and he, he didn't like them or he wasn't pleased with them. He wasn't humored by them, and he did one of these things, X them, kill them. See, that is what it's like in ancient times to be go before a king, especially unprepared. Look at Nehemiah 2. When the king says to Nehemiah, he says, 
What is it that, why, why the long face? What is it? I'm paraphrasing. Why the long face? What it, Message Bible probably says this. What, why the long face? What are you, what are, what's wrong? What can, I, what can I do? Before Agard answer, he prays. He prepares before he answers the king. What I'm trying to suggest to you today is most of us are scattered and all over the place in our prayers. How about we hone in? Agard says, I got two things. Like he was already ready. He went into prayer and he already was thinking about the request that he was going to bring before the Lord. Remember I said, before I die. And so Agard knows there's two specific things that I need the Lord to do before I die. And the beauty in the petitions, we haven't, by the way, we haven't got to a petition yet. He hasn't asked for anything yet. And so we see this preparation. We see his posture before the Lord. Um, and, and so he says, man, two things I'm going to ask you. What that is showing us besides preparation that Agard is, is, is doing before he gets before the Lord, what this is showing us is that Agard is contemplating his relationship with the Lord. Why? Because the two petitions that he throws out, both of them are to keep his relationship tight with the Lord. Like how many of us pray that? Like we pray for stuff, right? But none of us pray that God would remove stuff that's hindering our relationship with the Lord. None of us are praying that God would add stuff that makes us more on fire for the Lord. But Agar does. That's his two prayer requests. We can sum it up in him and his relationship with the Lord. Let's consider together the two things that Agard asks for. Verse number seven, let me read it again. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Here's the first one. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Now, when you first read this, you may say falsehood and lying, that's the same thing. But falsehood and lies are different. Falsehood is, is, deceit, is a deceitful act of something you do, or portraying yourself as something you're not. That's what falsehood is. And so that's, that's my problem with social media. My problem with social media is we have an avenue to be able to send stuff out and act like something that we're really not. Like if you look on your Twitter feed, like some of y'all had great weekends. Every weekend's a great weekend. Like we put up the best picture. None of us puts up that picture that's not filtered, that, you know, doesn't have the right angle. We haven't thought about, oh, man, what is she going to say when she sees this? What is he going to say? We are trying to portray ourselves as something we're not. That's the danger in social media. He said, move, remove falsehood far from me. Anything that would make me portray myself as something that I'm not, I ask that you move that from me. See, we don't pray those prayers. We just send out the text. We send out the tweet. We send out the Instagram. We do a Facebook Live, and it's like, no, let's just be honest. I'm hurt right now. I'm broken right now, so I don't have to tweet that. I don't have to send that out. He says, remove far from me falsehood. But he also says lies. Now, lies has no commitment to the truth. That's different. Falsehood is portraying yourself as something you're not. Lies is a flat out against the truth. It's no commitment to the truth. Proverbs 12, 22. I love this verse. Lying lips is an abomination to the Lord. So, so, Proverbs, so, so Agri sits here and he says, listen, it's an abomination. I want to be far from that. Remove from me uh, remove from me falsehood and remove from me lying. Now, what Agar is actually praying, we're not sure. Like, we know what he's praying, but we don't know why he's praying that. We don't know if this is a confession of 
his own personal sin. Maybe he's in falsehood and lies. We don't know if this is a temptation to fall into falsehood and lies. We don't even know if maybe this is friends around him that he's saying, remove me away from falsehood and lies. Whatever the case may be, one thing's for sure. He's not just saying remove it. Look at the text. Remove it far. Remove it far. Why do I need you to remove it far? Because I don't want to be tempted to jump back into it. See, Agard here realizes and notices that he's too weak to be in, in this situation. He's too weak to be around falsehood and lies. He's too weak not to be able to be delivered from falsehood and lies. He's like, remove it and remove it far away from me. See, that's the beauty in prayer. When you come before the Lord and realize that if the Lord doesn't remove you from that sin, you're not able to be removed. Like Agar realizes that. He's not saying, give me the strength to remove myself. Agar says, if you don't remove me, I'm not, I'm going to get stuck in this thing. How many of us pray against our own sin? Like pray that the, the thing that you're caught up in, that you can't get out of, that you haven't confessed to anybody, that needs to be removed from the Lord. Agar realizes I can't do this on my own. I need God to do it. And I don't just want you to move it away. I need you to remove it far. See, when you do it, when you do it in your own strength, you'll just unfollow the person. When God does it, you unfollow, you block, you throw the phone away, you say, I'm never touching that again. See, that's the difference in our strength and what God does. When God does it, he removes it far away from us. And so Agra says, listen, I'm too weak to be in that situation, so I need you to remove me far away from it. Let's keep going. He says, remove far from me falsehood and lies. He's concerned with those two things. And then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, this is interesting to me. The interesting fact about Agrit praying this is that Agrit realizes that both poverty and riches come from God. See, we, we don't, what we do is we say poverty comes from, de- from the devil. Riches comes from the Lord. And so we play that. That's the problem with the prosperity gospel. That everybody has to be rich. Your faith can push you in a place to be rich. Agatha is like, wait, 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 wait. But the poverty is from the Lord too. See, some of you being rich is more of a curse than a blessing. Agatha realizes, like he doesn't want the extreme of either. Agatha realizes that poverty isn't good for him, but he realizes that riches ain't good for him either. See, most of us in here will pray, Lord, keep me like... Let's be honest. We don't want it. Most of us in this room don't want to be poor. But none of us in this room will say, Lord, don't let me be rich. Like we don't we don't pray that prayer. Maybe we don't pray, Lord, let me be rich. But all of us want to have some sense of financial security. Not Agar. Agar realizes his weakness is if you make me extremely impoverished, I'm a steal. You make me rich, I'm going to be full and not want you. Agar realizes that both of these. So basically... The pink slip or the promotion both come from God. That means if you get the call back about the job, that's from the Lord. If you get fired, that's from the Lord. Like, like understand Agar's position here. Agar's like, listen, both of these is from the Lord. Not just one, not half. Look at the first one that he deals with. He says, give me neither poverty. Now, 
most of us pray this prayer, but look at why. We don't pray the prayer in terms of why, because most of us say, don't let me be poor because it's uncomfortable. Look at why Agrit prays that. I'm going to jump over to the B part of verse number nine. He says, give me, he said, give me neither poverty. And then he says, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of our God, profane the name of my God. Agrit here realizes that in the midst of stealing, in the midst of being poor, it's going to cause me to steal. Now, here's the crazy part about it. Agrit's not, he's not, he's not acquainted with the fact that if he steals, it's illegal. He's not saying, don't let me steal because it's illegal. He's not saying, don't let me steal because it's an offense to the other person. I don't know if any of you have ever been stolen from, but that's a feeling that you cannot explain. Like, that's a feeling that you... If you're, a, if you're a fighter, if you used to fight, if you used to cuss, that's the moment where you will. You'll let one slip right out because that feeling is unbelievable. But Agra here says, listen, don't let me be poor, not because I'm aware or I'm, I'm cognizant of the other person's offense that I'm going to be like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be poor because if I steal from them, they're going to be offended. No, I don't want to be poor because I don't want to profane your name. Like, think about, think about what Agra is saying here. Agra's like, listen, if I steal, I know it's illegal, but I'm more concerned about your reputation because then people will look at me and say, your God can't provide for you. Agra is saying, no, 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 no. Don't let me be poor. Why? Because if I'm poor, it will cause me to steal. Notice he understands his weakness while he's praying. He's not saying I might steal. He says, if you make me poor, I'm going to steal. It's that, it's that simple. He knows himself. He knows how simple he is. And so he realizes, listen, don't give me that. But the second thing he prays for, he says, give me neither poverty, back to verse number eight, nor riches. Now, why doesn't he want to be rich? Verse number nine lest I be full and I deny you and say, who is the Lord? And so basically, Agard is saying, don't give me poverty because I'll steal. If you give me riches, I'm going to be full. What a full stomach, a full life really says is I'm independent of the Lord. I don't need them. See, hungry people are at the feet of the cross all the time. And so what Agard is saying is, if you make me, if you give me riches, I'm not going to want you. So don't give me the riches. How many of us in this room would pick the riches over God? See, we won't, we won't audibly say, I'll do that. But most of us with our actions, do it now. And we're not, well, maybe you're rich. But most of us in this room aren't rich. And with the little that we have, we feel, we feel satisfied. We feel like we don't need the Lord. Agatha's like, listen, don't give me that because if you give me that. Now, now I also want to say that money itself is not like being rich itself is not a sin. It's the love of the money, 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's the love of the money that makes it a sin, that makes it evil, that makes it not good. Like, I could take $20 right now, go to the corner, and bless somebody that's in need of that $20. Or I can take that same $20, go to the strip club, and put it in a G-string. See, the money, the $20 itself isn't sinful. What I did with it, the motive I had behind it, is the sin. And so this is not a, a prayer against all riches. Like you might be rich. Praise God. That's a blessing. You might be poor. Praise God. That's a blessing. 
That's what I need to, that's what we need to move to. And so Agat realizes that. He says, listen, man, don't make me rich, Lord, but don't make me poor either. When praying, it's important to be acquainted with your own weakness. Like realize your limits. We pray for stuff that we know is not good. We know it's not good for us. Most of us in this room pray for things that in our mind, we're like, man, if you really grant that prayer, it's going to pull me away from you. Most of us in this room pray like that. None of us pray the prayer that he's praying. That's why it's called an uncommon prayer, because none of us are praying, Lord, if that's going to pull me from you, I don't want it. No matter how much my flesh wants it, if it's going to pull me from my relationship with you, please take it away from me. He says, lest I be fool. He realizes in this moment that being fool pulls him from his relationship with the Lord. Listen, Moses talks about this too. I'm going to flip over to it real quick. In Deuteronomy, Moses says something very close to this. Deuteronomy 8, if you're taking notes, Deuteronomy 8, if you want to flip over, you can. Deuteronomy 8, verse number, starting at verse number 11. This is what Moses says. Like, I don't know if Agur read Moses before he wrote this, but they're so tied together. Look at what Moses says. He says, take care. Lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten your full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, and your fathers did not know that he might humble you, with the, and, humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware, listen to this, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the power to get wealth or obtain wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore with your fathers as in the day. Verse 19, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Moses understood that being full wasn't a good thing. What Agur is praying and Moses prayed is, man, I just want to be filled with just enough. Like how many of us pray that? Lord, just give me just enough. Give me, as Jesus says, my daily bread. That's all I want. I don't want too much. I don't want too little. I want what you feel in your will is good for me to have a relationship with you, a consistent relationship with you. And so Moses affirms what Agur is saying here. Listen, don't make me fool. Don't make me rich. Because I'm going to forget you. And I'm going to ask. Look at what the verse says. In verse 9. Lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? His question here, who is the Lord, isn't some like genuine, I want to understand who you are. What his response is here is he's trying to point out the, 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 um, the, the arrogance or the, man, I don't need you. Who is the Lord? 
So it's not, man, who is the Lord? I got to, I got to, if I'm rich, I want to know you more. No, who is the Lord? I don't know you. I don't need to know you. I don't need to be in relationship with you. And so his point that he's making here is powerful. Let's go back to verse number eight, because when I said we need just the daily bread, we just need just enough that he's given us. He says it in verse number eight. I skipped over it. He says, feed me the B part. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Like he just wants just enough that's going to keep his relationship with the Lord. How many of us are praying these type of prayers that are uncommon, that most people aren't praying? Like our culture is obsessed with riches. Our culture is obsessed with vanity. How many of us pray against riches and pray against vanity? Why? Because your heart knows it's not good. And so Agrid's prayer here is a powerful one, and it's one that's full of wisdom. Even though Agar himself will, will tell you in the text earlier on that he's not a wise man. In fact, he says, not, I mean, the words are strong. In verse number two of, of the same chapter, he says, Surely I am too stupid of a man. I have not the understanding of a man. A weak man that had fickle, that he felt had fickle wisdom, prays with such wisdom. That should give us confidence. Those of us in this room that feel like, man, I'm too weak. I don't know how to pray. A weak, fickle man says, man, don't, don't only give me these two things. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me. He prays with full wisdom. Now, yes, James tells us we can pray for wisdom. My question to you, are you praying with wisdom? Scripture today reveals that to us. Listen, it's an honor for us to pray. It shows us that what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross surely worked. What Jesus has accomplished within the gospel, securing you and I that have trusted Jesus, what he's accomplished through that is the fact that you're able to come to him. Some of you in here don't need to start at a wise prayer. Some of you in here need to start at a submission to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in here and you're like, man, my friend drugged me, dragged me to church today. My friend, you know, told me I had to come and he would take me out to eat. She would take me out to eat. Maybe that's you in here today, or maybe you come consistently, but you know, man, I'm far from the Lord. I come because I like the music. I come because I like this person and we're friends. And so I come on a consistent basis, but I don't know Jesus. Don't start today's prayer series with prayer. Start today's prayer series with submitting your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, you and I have no right standing other than that. We can go, we can plead with God, as be- we can show our list of good things that we've done. We will be crushed. We only get right standing because of Jesus Christ. And so if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, submit your life to him today. If you do know him, get a stronger prayer life. Let's pray like Agar. H.B. Charles says it best. He says, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to pray like Agar. Because praying like Agar puts us in a humble posture before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are honest. If we're honest, man, we are so inconsistent with our prayers. Many of us lack consistency because, number one, we don't know how to pray. But, but number two, because we, we don't really think that you actually hear us. Some of us, if we're honest, we'll, we'll say that, Our prayers sometimes feel like they hit the ceiling and they come back down. But today I pray that you would rejuvenate our prayer lives. Some of us may be consistent in prayer, 
but maybe we ramble. We don't, we don't, have, a, we don't have consistent content. I'm not talking repetitive prayers, but I'm talking just all over the place. Would you lock us down with your goodness? Let us start with our prayers with a humble submission to you. Let us realize in the moment that we're praying how privileged we are that sinful people like us in this room get to pray to a holy, spotless God. Agri here in this text, Lord, he, he prays against falsehood. That the word is tied so closely to deceit. He prays for what Jesus spotlessly was able to do. Jesus didn't live a false life. Lies wasn't in Jesus' mouth. In fact, the scripture goes so far as to say deceit wasn't even in his mouth. Perfection is what we're granted in exchange for our sin. And we thank you today that our prayers are accepted by a holy God because of a holy son named Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, would you strengthen our prayer life? Would you recommit us back to the gospel? Most of us in this room say, man, I'm gospel-centered, but in my prayer life, ah, I'm not that gospel-centered. Father, would you push us towards prayer? Push us towards communicating with you. You want to hear from us. You desire to hear from us. Help us to be faithful in that. And every time we do pray, pray that you would meet us. Not necessarily answer, because some of the stuff we pray, Lord, we'll be honest, it's fickle. Hear everything from us, but only answer what's according to your word. Only answer what's according to your will. But I pray that you would be, you would be gracious to us in our prayers. And Father, the stuff that we neglect to pray for, we thank you that we have an advocate that prays on our behalf. John 17, you prayed for us. And so even when we are inconsistent with our prayers, Jesus was consistent in praying for us. We thank you. We thank you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.